Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Welcome in to the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm half your host team, JT, along with Tom Sims, Tom Letterkenny Sims. <laughs> I'm the other half. I can't get Tiffin to watch an episode of Letterkenny, but I didn't even hear about Letterkenny until, what, a week and a half ago? I think I texted you the first night I saw an episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. You said Letterkenny, and I'm like, question mark, and you said indeed, and or maybe I said letter Kenny back, and you said indeed. I had no idea what you're talking about. So uh, we've got about 42 <laughs> listeners now. Uh, briefly, give us 30 seconds or less. What is letter Kenny? Man, it's the stupidest 30 minute comedy show I've ever seen. <laughs> A lot of the concords. Uh, kind of in that genre, they 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 have their own uh, language. So to speak, obviously it's English. I say obviously it's English, but uh, it it's sometimes it's hard to keep up with. But it is hilarious. I promise you, it, if you do nothing else, just watch episode one. Just I think you could probably find it on YouTube. Whatever I've seen clips of it, but uh, it's almost like Seinfeld. It's it's a show about nothing, but uh, <laughs> my kind of show. It's hilarious. I'm telling you. So. And there's some great one-liners in there. Do yourself a favor, do it, do it, do it. Well, we do had it. a we had the the rare triple Saturday. It, it's all too rare. It should happen more often. The triple is Bama win, Auburn lose, Tennessee lose, and it happened first time this year, if I'm not mistaken. I, yeah. I, I I guess I don't know. Heck, maybe Tennessee lost when uh, Auburn lost to Penn State. But it was a nice Saturday, so uh, got Arkansas coming to town this weekend. Then we close out with the Iron Bowl. Have a lot to say about uh, Arkansas and Auburn for this podcast, but I'll let you start off with commentary. Well, good. Um, I want to rehash a couple weeks ago. I come on here and was making a big deal out of uh, how Alabama needed multiple two-loss teams in there to give ourselves a little cushion in case we go to Atlanta and lose to Georgia, which they published an early line today. Georgia would be favored in that game, which is not really a surprise based on how they've played, but that would be the first time we've been an underdog since you know when, when we were at Georgia. When What year was that? 2015. The 2015. Week, two weeks after we lost to Ole Miss. Six years, six years, multiple championship games, multiple playoff games, multiple road games against SEC top 10 competition. It's been six years since we've been an underdog. Um, But it would be a deserving spread, in my opinion. Georgia just hammered 
Tennessee again this weekend, and that was well. I'll get into that a little later. But so I feel like we losing to Georgia in the SEC championship. If we lost a close game, I still feel like we're one of the. I, I think we're us and Georgia are the two best teams in the nation. Let's just put it that way. Even though we hadn't played exceptionally well in the last six weeks, we've still played better than anybody in the country. Uh, arguably, Ohio State, maybe. I don't know. I, I hadn't watched enough of their action. I, they're putting up points, but like they gave up 31 to Purdue. You know? Exactly. So, and, and I'm not discounting Ohio State. I mean, I think they're probably the third best team in the country right now, regardless. Just, you know, records aside, whatever else, I think they're playing like third best team. But anyway, it's very easy for me to envision a scenario in which we lose in the SEC championship game to Georgia, assuming we can get there, knock on wood. So two weeks ago, I put out a list of 10 teams that had either zero or one loss that we needed to get at least eight of those teams, two losses, some of them, we only needed one loss, but we need at least eight of those teams to get blemishes or multiple blemishes. All right, so fast forward two weeks. At the time, we had four undefeated teams, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan State, and Wake Forest. Today, we have only Cincinnati. Three of those four have lost and have dropped from the ranks of the zero losses. That was good. Currently... As one-loss teams, we only have seven one-loss teams. So we have two weeks to go. Actually, you have three weeks to go because we have championship games to include in this. We have seven teams that have one loss, and we need six of those, in my opinion, to get another loss to end up with two losses. And here's the way that breaks down. Cincinnati, currently undefeated, they play SMU as a 12-point favorite this week, and then they'll have Houston in the championship game. They're gonna be big they're gonna be double digit favorites favorites in the last three games. That's tough. That's a tough one to get a loss on. But we all know your feelings on Cincinnati. No, exactly. That's inconsequential. Big 12. Two two one-loss teams there, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They play each other in two weeks, and then they will likely play each other in three weeks as well because they'll both make the championship game more than likely. So ideally they could split, or they could... One of them or both of them could lose this weekend. Oklahoma State's a 10-point favorite. Oklahoma's a 4-point favorite this weekend. So they're not gimme games, and that's before they play each other. It's not unreasonable to think they both could lose. They both have three games. They could both go 2-1 and one there pretty reasonably. So that's a, that's a positive. ACC's out. <clears throat> they're here, gone. Here. Yes, agree. So uh, we we ignore them. They're out. Pac-12, one team, Oregon, number three currently. They are underdogs this week to Utah. If they happen to win that game, they'll win next week against Oregon State, but then they'll play in the championship game against Utah again. So if you're an underdog to a team, you're going to have to beat them twice in two weeks or three weeks. 
that's going to be tough to to do. I I don't give them a good shot of going two and zero against a team that is currently favored over them. Um, Big Ten, three teams: Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan. Ohio State plays both of them. Mm-hmm. Michigan State plays Ohio State and Penn State. And Michigan, with the easier schedule of the three, plays Maryland and Ohio State. You have to sweep. Those three teams have to sweep those two games plus the game in the championship against Wisconsin or Iowa, whichever the way that shakes out. Wisconsin, I think, holds the head-to-head over Iowa, but they still have to win at Minnesota to to make it the championship game. So still up in there about who they're going to play. Now, of those three teams, who can sweep that? Oh, Ohio State. I think they're the only legitimate contender who can sweep it. I'm not sold that they can sweep it, but Vegas <laughs> Vegas has got them as an 18-point favorite over number seven Michigan State this week. So <laughs> Vegas definitely thinks they can sweep yeah. it. If they, Basically, of the three teams left on their schedule, they're playing the highest-ranked team this week in their 18-point favorite. stands to reason they're probably going to get there. And then we have one independent Notre Dame. And they're going to be the fly in the pudding, I'm afraid. They have Georgia Tech this weekend, a 16-point favorite, and they'll end their season next weekend at Stanford. So I'm guessing they're going to be a 10-12 point favorite on the road at Stanford in their finale. Easily, yeah. So you're, you're going to have to pick up a huge upset to keep Notre Dame from finishing the season ten and one. Eleven, yeah, eleven and one. And you know, uh, let me interrupt right quick. That is why we probably need Cincinnati to stay undefeated because if Cincinnati went loses, uh, you know, they can move Notre Dame ahead of them. I don't think they're going to move Notre Dame ahead, even though they have moved Michigan ahead of Michigan State because they think they're the better team. I don't think they're going to do that with Notre Dame and Cincinnati. So probably need Cincinnati to continue winning to keep Notre Dame back because – and I would love to ask the public this right here. Just the the average fan, the Ohio State fan, the Georgia fan, if a Georgia fan can be unbiased because ultimately, you know, I, like I, I've tweeted this out before to Notre Dame fans when they're like, well, we're, you know, we're undefeated, we're one loss, we're in the playoffs. I'm like, trust me when I tell you, brother – Everybody's begging to pull you first round because you suck. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, really, would the public be more dis- discouraged with Notre Dame making it at 11-1 or Bama making it with two losses to Georgia in the A&M? And let's just say Georgia. We, we both agree that it has to be a close loss. Like, we can't lose by 14 to Georgia. I mean, it's got to be seven or less, I would say. Yep. In addition to that, I don't. You're you're going to get a contingent of people who are mad regardless if Alabama and Georgia both make it, and that includes if Alabama beats them. There there are going to be people. Well, they just played. They don't deserve to be in it, you know. And they, I mean, that's just the way that goes. Nobody wants to see two SEC teams in there, regardless of how they get there. Yeah. They may not have a choice in the matter, but they don't want to see it. So, I don't know that this. I had high hopes for this cushion game, but my hopes have been dashed a little bit because I do think Cincinnati and Notre Dame 
both win out just because I mean it's going to take a double digit underdog to knock either one of them off of the undefeated perch. Yeah. yeah. And so I think they both went out. I think it's very reasonable the Big 12 loses. It's very reasonable the Pac-12 loses. When I say loses, that means that their champion ends up with two losses. Pac-12 champ will have two losses. Big 12 champ will have two losses. Those are minimum. ACC champ will have two losses, minimum. The Big 10 is possible they will have two losses, but it's likely, like we just talked about, that Ohio State gets there with just the one loss. So then you're going to have a one-loss SEC, a one-loss Big Ten, an undefeated Cincinnati, a one-loss Notre Dame, and then your two-loss contingent, which starts with Bama. So the committee would have to step up and put Bama in over an undefeated Cincinnati, who is currently fifth in the rankings. And it's it's unfortunate, but... Cincinnati's currently fifth in the rankings. Their schedule is going to get harder than it has been so far. Not saying it's a difficult schedule, but they are going to play SMU and Houston, two of the last three teams who are currently ranked or just have SMU, I think, just fell from the rankings. But those are going to be their two, two of their tougher games. So if you've got them at five already and now they're going to play tougher games moving forward, if Oregon loses or if Ohio State loses, however that goes, it's going to be hard for the committee to justify dropping them after they put them at five already. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, so. yeah that's a good point. And that's why I, the committee did a big disservice of ranking them at, at five. Because like, like I've said – if Cincinnati gets in this year, it, it, it tells the the second the lower tier teams in the SEC, every other conference, it tells your Oklahoma states, your Auburns, your Mississippi states, it tells them don't you know get out of your P five conference, go G five, play Notre Dame, beat them, and you're in. Go undefeated, beat Notre Dame, and you're in. A lot of teams can do that yep. at the G five level, and I, I'm just disgusted by it. I think our best path is to stay number two, which there's no reason we shouldn't be number two. Like, we could absolutely cannot lay an egg this weekend or lay an egg against Auburn, even though, you know, win, but lay an egg and, and the committee drop us to three or four because that's, then we can't lose. Because the thing is, if you play Georgia tough, let's just say it's a field goal game and we're number two, they can legitimately say, look, we're dropping them one spot to three. Y'all can go suck eggs. We don't care because they're the, they're, the, they're the second or third best team in the country. We're going to put them at three because it's not fair to Georgia to have to play them back to back. Jimmy Stein, uh, he's at QB Country now. He used to be at, I think, LJS Law. He's a big Bama guy, and uh, he's with Own 3 Sports now. He tweeted out today about he had a bunch of scenarios, and I just kind of glanced over it, but it's essentially saying what me and you are saying here. And I, I tweeted back at him, and I said, you know, ultimately we lose to Georgia by three. How much is the committee going to ding us for losing to A&M by three on the road? Well, that's what it boils down to, you know. That's right. Like I've talked about, if we block that field goal and we re- return it for a touchdown, then does the game really change other than we've got a W and A&M has an L? Does it really change the way the game was played? I don't think it does. You know, A&M had their moments with us and where they really played well. 
And then the third quarter, we just dominated. And yeah. then they, they made play. a few, you know, they made a few more plays than we did, and they won by three. Mm. So I, I don't know. I'm not hopeful because it's going to be such a shit storm if they put us in. But, you know, it's, it's good fodder. It, it, it burned up 15 minutes of the podcast, so good job, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> we could also get in by losing to either Arkansas or Auburn, but we'd have to beat Georgia. I mean, you know, honestly, that would, would be more – really what we should do if we beat Arkansas this weekend, we should mail in the Iron Bowl and focus on Georgia. And I hate to say that. It would suck if we did that. Saban will never do that because he treats every opponent the same. But that's what the playoff system has done. Is it his? You know, they're talking about well, the regular season. Nah, it's not lost its luster. It's still important. Well, is it? Because if we lose to Auburn, and or just say we lose to Arkansas, we beat Auburn, we go to Atlanta, and we beat Georgia, we're in. We're in. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We're in. <clears throat> so, anyway, good good uh, recap on the uh, on the the scenarios that can or cannot get us in the CFP. So uh, are you done? I'm done, I sir. felt like you were. I felt like you were. Well, let's recap. And uh, like I told Tom off the air, I thought I, I, I knew he had commentary. And I'm like, man, I really want commentary tonight. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. He slipped stuff in that he wants to talk about and says, <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. I, I guess I should, wasn't supposed to talk about that. Oh, it just kind of worked its way in. So I'm going to work my commentary in. <clears throat> So, Tom, the internet is a great invention. Do you agree? Yeah, I hadn't seen one like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, stick around a couple hundred years, buddy. Well, the good thing, man, I cannot hang on. Man, I had to clear my throat. I had to put on mute. It was so bad. Uh, the, The thing about the internet that's so great is no matter how asinine a topic might be, you can find someone who supports it. And let me give one example, then I'll get into the meat of the issue. There's people out there that feels like the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. And if you search flat earth on Google, flat earth society will come up. And I even think I clicked on it one time this weekend. If I'm not mistaken, it's flat earth society.org. Like it's an organization. It's not even a dot com, it's a dot org. So there's people out there that that really believe the earth is flat. Do they charge a membership fee? I didn't get that far on the website, but they they do have like one, they have a couple of famous people that believe it. Of course, they've got them plastered all all over the front of their website. (laughs) So that brings me to no matter how dumb a coaching move is, there's going to be somebody out there that, that will say, nope, 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 that was exactly right. I've asked a number of people today, if you're down 15 points and you score a touchdown in the fourth quarter, I, to me, I really don't even think time is an issue. I can see maybe in the first half you're down 15 and you try to maybe go for two and get that point back, but, it, but it's way before halftime, you know, second quarter. But in the fourth quarter, with three minutes and 37 seconds left, Auburn scores to cut the lead from 15 to nine. And I heard the announcer, they said, well, Bo Nix is staying out there. I immediately called Daryl. I'm like, dude, I said, are you watching this? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, I, I'm not crazy, am I? I said, if he goes for two here, it's the dumbest thing that he could do. Like, he's in over his head. You agree? He's like, yeah. And then they're replaying the touchdown. I'm like, well, maybe maybe he just maybe he doesn't think it's a touchdown. He's keeping his offense out there. And I, I said, well, I'll let you run. You know, we're both watching it at separate houses. 
So sure enough, the touchdown stands and Auburn goes for two. And instead of kicking the point, they should have kicked the point. 337 left. You kick the extra point. You cut it to eight. It is a one-possession game at that point. But they went for two and missed it. And essentially, Harson ended the game for Auburn right there. You could go get on the buses. You're not going to win. It blew my mind. And what's even funnier is there's the, some Auburn fans were taken up. So that's the right call. That, that's, that's the new analytics. And lo and behold, footballperspective.com agrees that you go for two when you're down nine in the fourth quarter. Like, that's just unreal to me. And here, here's the reason. They, they're they like, well, you wait, have wait, to Wait, wait, wait. Yep, go ahead. <clears throat> I, before you spoil it, I'm. let me tell you my opinion on that before you spoil what theirs are. Because I'm on both sides of this fence. Oh, but my God, all, Tom. Like, this is going to be our last podcast. If you don't, no, if this is terrible. No, I'm go going to tell you why. And it depends on, part of it depends on how much time is left. But. Here's the thing. Two two lines of thought. One, if you kick the extra point and you make it an eight-point game, one thing it does do for you is keeps the mindsets of your players in the game and keeps their momentum. So from that perspective, I can see why you would kick the extra point. The contrary opinion to that, which I have taken in some occasions, depending on, depending on the situation, is... If I'm going to go for two, I've got to go for two either the first time or the second time. If I go for it for the first time and don't get it, then I know that I have to I have to play different defense. I have to potentially go ahead and onside kick it to knowing that I need to score two more times. You lose the ability to have that option if you save it for the end because you feel like you need to just run the clock down, get it down towards the end, and make one shot at going for two. That's where I that's the way I usually see that happen. But if you know you've got if you know you're gonna miss the two point conversion, you obviously wouldn't spend all the time, but you don't know that till the end. So that's that's my contrary opinion. <laughs> are you are you the proprietor of footballperspective.com? No, what did they say? That's why I wanted to say it before I mean, I had no idea what you're thinking. Okay. What did they well, say? Their, their pros are that the pros to that is this. You have to go for two anyway at some point. So why not go for it right then? And and that's kind of what you said, almost exactly what you said. And the new analytics are we want all the information that we need to win this ball game as early as we can get it. And if we go for two now and we miss it, we have that information in our in our hand and we know exactly what we have to do. And you, you are correct. You have to go for two at some point. I mean, you're down 15. But if you go for – if you kick the point, it, that, like I said, it was 337 left. If you kick the point, the kicker is very good. I don't know that he's ever missed an extra point. You know, Rockard finally missed one for Alabama. So we're not going to say 100% success rate, but a, a 90, over a 99% success rate for Auburn's kicker on an extra point. And I don't know what their actual two-point conversion percentage is, but I would say anytime you go for two, it's a 50-50 coin flip. Would you, you, is that a fair statement? Sure, yeah. Okay. So, you know, the cons, and this, these, this, this is my word. These are my words here. The cons, if you miss the two, it's a two-possession game guaranteed. And see, that footballperspective.com 
were like, well, if you if you if you even if you make if you take the extra point and you're down eight, well, if you miss the next two point conversion, then it, it's still a two possession game. Well, no kidding, buddy. I mean, wow, that you know, groundbreaking stuff there. But if you miss the two, it's the game is over. The game is over. Trust me when I tell you, the game is over if you are down nine points with three thirty-seven left. And so even if you make the two, so Auburn, let's say Auburn made the two, they're still all they're going to do is put it in overtime because they're not going to score again and go for two again and go for the win at home. I wouldn't think. Now, I don't know. Maybe maybe Harson. You know, maybe the book of Scientology says otherwise. But I feel like that you kick the extra point. The, to me, the main thing is this right here, the psyche of both teams. And you mentioned that about the emotional, you know, the, the momentum. Yep. As soon as they went for two and missed it, Mississippi State, I mean, they're like, okay, all we got to do is not turn the ball over. Auburn did have all three timeouts, but they, they, and they had the onside kick. And guess what happened when they onside kicked? They lost their kicker for the year. Yeah, it was a bad kick. Yeah, it was a terrible kick. And, you know, it – with 3.37 left, you kick the point and you, you can kick deep. Three, like, granted, they hadn't stopped Mississippi State all since the second quarter, but still, you know, you're at home. The fans are lathered up. You're going to, you know, win one for the Gipper. I, I just – I find it I, – I, I just found that when he went for two, that tells me all I need to know about him as a coach. He is in over his head. <laughs> He's never going to make it in the SEC. You might can do that at Boise. And the reason – it's not even – Making it or missing it, making it or missing has a good bit to do with it, but that's not even all of it because even if he makes it, it's a stupid-ass call. It's the dumbest call I've seen all year long, even if he makes it, because it's just – it's not – it's I don't care what analytics – and I'm a, I believe in analytics. Like, I, I believe that if it's fourth and one from, from uh, the opponent's 38-yard line and you're at home – I think you treat that different as maybe you would a fourth and one at Auburn and you're on the 38-yard line. And that's analytics. Like, it changes. But I don't care what analytics you're going with. If you go for two down nine in the fourth quarter, you don't you have no business coaching in the SEC. Wow. Rant over. I'll never get a job in the SEC because there will definitely be times that I would go for it as well. <laughs> Woo! Boy, that was a good rant. Well, let's let's talk about the Auburn Mississippi State game while we're at it. Then, <laughs> oh, we just did. We just did. Coaching lost the game. <laughs> I th- I think I had something to do with the comeback. The uh, I was I was I was pumped up for Saturday morning football. Uh, breakfast with the barn happened, but there were and I, I'm trying to recall who it was. There were three really good games on at eleven. Michigan, you, Penn State. Yep, that was one of them. And then there was – actually, there was like four that I was toggling through. I think uh, somebody else had a, a – there were two other early actions. One, I think a couple of Big Ten teams and then maybe – That was a big noon kickoff, Tom. That's right. Did did Oklahoma play at uh, 11 as well? I think so. I'm blocked out of Fox on my dish because they're in contract disputes with the Huntsville Station. So. Yeah, it may not have been them. I don't know, but it was it – was, it was great, but I watched. I was very intently watching the uh, Auburn game, and when they went up twenty-eight to three, I'm like, "Shit, I'm not." Sub- Oops, sorry, I can't say that on the air, can I? 
I said, I'm not subjecting myself to this anymore. So I flipped it over to uh, one of the other games, and I was sitting there watching. It might have been Tennessee at, also playing at 11. Tennessee, no, Georgia was Tennessee, at 11. Georgia, no, they were night games. No, they were 2.30. They were 2.30. That's right. Yeah, you're correct, correct. Um, but but anyway, so so I flipped it over, and then I saw that they cut it to 28 to 10 at half. Yeah, no big deal. And, and I was just literally watching the ticker at the bottom. I wasn't keeping up with it on the game. I mean, I knew I wanted to see the score, but then it was 28-17, then it was 28-23, to <laughs> and then all of a sudden they had the lead, and I didn't dare turn it over there. <laughs> I, I kept watching. I started watching my phone a little bit, trying to catch the score. And then uh, when they got up late, uh, I think with about you know six or seven minutes left over there, I went ahead and flipped it over and watched the end. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, I was I was looking at how that game actually went down from a from a, a Mississippi State fan per, uh, perspective. You went out there offensively, and you didn't do terrible in your first three drives. They, there was a couple of shoot-yourselves-in-the-foot drives. The first drive, they went down the field, didn't get the touchdown, but got a field goal, drove it all the way down to get it. Had two sort of mistake drives. One, I, f- I forget what what went on in one and one. One was a bad bitch. miscommunication. They went three and out. Short short uh, yardage on the third drive went, went punted. So the first three drives netted three points. Well, heck, Auburn just had lightning in the bottle there. They scored on their opening drive, and then their next three. Oh, that's Tiffin calling me, guys. Apparently, he's been off the air for quite some time. Hold on one second. <laughs> hey, bro. Yeah, I didn't even know you were you were gone. So, uh, I'll I'll stop it and resend you a link. I had mentioned that Mississippi State got a little unlucky on their first three drives and just ended up with three points, but Auburn scored in their first four drives, 28-3. After that, though, State went 10 plays, 75 touchdowns, 7 plays, 75 touchdowns, 10 plays, 98 touchdowns, 6 plays, 72 touchdowns, 4 plays, 45 touchdowns, and then missed a field goal right there at the end of the game. Uh, unstoppable. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> unstoppable. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's just uh, that's one of those things where you're eventually gonna. I, I say eventually. This, this is not entirely. I was gonna say you're eventually gonna ex- get exposed by a passing team, but I think I harped on this a few weeks ago. I was so surprised that Auburn beat Ole Miss. So surprised. This that's sort of the similar production that I thought would happen there. But according to Lane Kiffin, Mississippi State and Mike Leach is the best offensive football mind in the country. <laughs> so let's see who's up next. Well, that was a it was a thing to behold, you know. And I, one thing we we talked about the kicker losing the kicker. You know, they lost Bo Nix. And, you know, as bad as I hate Bo Nix, and trust me when I tell you, I hate Bo Nix as has been abundantly clear on this podcast. Uh, he, I hated Morrison Cam Newton, and I never thought that would happen. But dude is a warrior, man. He broke his ankle, whatever bone. I don't. I mean, he, he didn't break his ankle like we think of breaking an ankle where it's turned sideways. You know, obviously he couldn't go on and play. But he broke a bone in his ankle is the report. And he played at least a full quarter. After it happened sometime in the third, he played deep in the fourth quarter. So 
hats off for being a warrior for your team. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, really, Mississippi State has wrecked two of the last three Iron Bowls. They put two out two years ago, and now they put Knicks out. So, yep. Which they got no year, tooth over there. Yeah, not uh, not upset with them this year like I was two years ago. But the other two games we had were A&M at Ole Miss and then Arkansas at LSU. And like I told you before, and uh, <clears throat> the beer flowed like wine after Bama win, Auburn lost. So I didn't even watch hardly either one of those two games. But let me say one thing about Ole Miss and A&M. You know, we felt like Calzada had his Steven Garcia moment uh, Trevor Knight moment against us in College Station, and and then we we kind of maybe backed off that comment a little bit that that train of thought because he played okay the next few weeks or whatever. But I looked at the stats today against Bama. Calzada was twenty one of thirty one for two hundred eighty five yards. That is a sixty seven point seven percent completion rate. He threw for three touchdowns and threw one interception. When you take Bama out. Versus everyone other than Bama, he's 133 of 248 on the year. That is a 53.6% completion percentage. So that is, what, 14.1% less completion percentage. 100 yards per game less. He's 188.5, so right at 100 less yards per game. And then he's a 9 to 8 touchdown-interception ratio. So he was 75% touchdown-interception Against us, against everybody else, he's – I can't even do the math. Nine nine over eight. He's thrown one more touchdown interception. So, obviously, he, he had his Garcia moment, and it happens. And, you know, you gear up for Bama. You don't – you don't like we said last week, you don't dream of telling your grandkids that you beat uh, Ole Miss on the road. You dream of telling them that you beat Bama. And he beat us, but it is just sickening that we've talked about cushions all the time, that we lost our cushion to Stephen Garcia part two. <clears throat> yep, and that was exactly the same thing I was going to say. I actually looked up the same stats. <laughs> but And what makes the even more amazing on uh, Saturday is not only did Calzada put up a 24 for 42, two interceptions, 237, uh, anti-stellar outing, I may say, but he did it against Ole Miss defense. Didn't do it against Alabama defense who is substantially better than Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss defense has played better as of late, for sure. But they're still Ole Miss, and they're still the Ole Miss defense. And they, you know, they shut him down. He had his way with us. And that is that is the, the Garcia moment of, of all time. But <clears throat> as far as the game went Saturday, though, Ole Miss never trailed in that game. They, were, they had shut him out in the first half. <laughs> the, I mean, it's just – a night and day team that we played, they put up – what did they end up scoring against us, 38? 41, 37? I think. I think they beat us 41-38. 41-38, yeah. that's what it was. So they put up 41 against us. And they got shut out in the first half against Ole Miss. Such a night and day uh, effort there. But I'll, I will say this, I think Ole Miss is playing some of the best ball in the country. And that's countrywide. So, uh, I know you didn't – if you didn't see that one, you certainly didn't see the LSU-Arkansas game. Arkansas was, uh, in my opinion, a better team than LSU all night in Baton Rouge. But, man, they kept – they kept 
missing, I believe they missed a field goals. They they would drive into LSU territory and then have a holding penalty that took them out where they were forced to go for a fourth down in Tweenerland or, or punt from the 50. It was just a, a series of a lot of drives like that for Arkansas that kept the game close. I, I didn't think they were going to win it there for the longest time, but, but they, they end up being uh, pulling that one out. Here's an interesting stat for you. Did you know that Arkansas is the number five offense in the SEC? No, I did not know that. So can you even name the top four? Uh, Bama's up there. I would say um, Mississippi State is up there. I'd say Auburn is up there. And uh, I'd say Georgia's up there. Ole Miss 1, Florida 2, <laughs> Alabama 3, Tennessee 4, Arkansas 5. Wow, I got one of one. <laughs> I'm the reason I got the one because it's a Bama podcast. Yeah, that's right. But I thought that was very interesting that Arkansas took a top five offense. Bring a top five offense to Tuscaloosa on Saturday. But uh, yeah. LSU, LSU did a good job against them in that respect. But, again, if you watch the game, it just felt like Arkansas should have been up two touchdowns almost the entire game and just never could – put it together at the right time so did you watch yeah, any of it no i didn't watch any of it I, but i've got a sec network on right now and they, they were showing some extensive highlights and lsu was tripping over their bottom lip half the time it looked like quarterback falling around so cliff notes version yeah yeah i mean it's it's fine it's um it, it really you know Arkansas ended up covering, which we'll get to later, but it really surprised me that LSU had any left in the tank. I mean, they hats off. They have not melded in like I thought they would. You know, some of their better players have opted out, and uh, which, you know, was really expected. But I think the ones that are there are really playing hard for Coach O. You know, this is an interim job for him right now. Tom, I, I think if he uh, wins the last few, they might just go ahead and offer him that job full time. <laughs> He's he's got a pretty good agent, I heard. He's the best interim coach in the country. I mean, legit. <laughs> he's got more interim jobs than anybody in the country for sure. Right, <laughs> he's so, got an interim job and the only job he, he had. Yeah, as a I mean, head he did coach. great. He almost got the USC <laughs> job based on the interim work, and then he got the LSU job for the interim work. So, you know, if you if you have an interim job, he need to hire him. So let's break in break out to this week's games. I've got a couple of them. Really, the only reason we've got number two is based on the Bo Nix injury, but we're going to cover – we're going to look at Bama, Arkansas, and then Auburn at South Carolina. So, I did not know that Arkansas was that good on offense. I know they have – they really played well against Texas, which Texas has lost five in a row now. You know, Texas had one loss and was up on Oklahoma 28-7, to and now they have lost five in a row. Like, that's just unreal to me. Yeah. You know, we're 20-point favorites, and – Bottom line is when our when our second team running back comes on the field against Arkansas, it's either going to be Trey Sanders who last year had a car wreck, and the call that Nick Saban got was, Coach, you've got a player that's in a car wreck. We think he's going to make it. Like like we've talked about that, how sobering that must have been. Or we're going to if if it's not. Well, we're having technical difficulties tonight, and I'm sure it's on the Red Bay end and not the Birmingham end. But luckily, 
I know exactly where I was at when I – at least I know where I was at when I think I got cut off. I don't know. I might be repeating myself again. But I was talking about the Alabama-Arkansas game and about our running back situation with Roy Dale Williams going out. You know, when we bring in our, our guy, our, our second-team guy, it's either going to be Trey Sanders, who was in a car wreck last year and didn't know if he's going to live or not, or it's going to be Demui Kennedy, who's a linebacker. I think he's a linebacker. <laughs> he's an emergency running back now. So this game, we're 20-point we're favorites. This game is far from, you know, in the bag. But our defense has really been playing good lately. And, uh, you know, they're going to feel the need to, to carry us in this game, I really feel like. And I, I don't see us having a, a major problem with, uh, with Arkansas. So we just need to come out. Have you noticed, though, when we drop a pass early, we struggle? I think we dropped the first pass against A&M. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, Latou dropped a pass this weekend. Granted, we won 59 to three, but we were down three nothing, and we punted one time after that. Like they could have gone up six or ten to nothing, and luckily they didn't, of course. But Billingsley we've, we've gotta, dropped another one. We got to come out focused. Like we've got to come out focused. We can't. And I know all Bama fans now are talking about the Iron Bowl because I I was dreading the Iron Bowl this time last week. Now I can't wait to get there, dude. I mean. T.J. Finley is not uh, Bo Nix. <laughs> no, he's he's a little different. Um, yeah, uh, Billingsley dropped one this past weekend again, yeah. which is yeah. no surprise. He's been in like a, a hitting slump almost. He just can't get out of it. Luckily, they went right back to him the very next play, the exact same play, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And uh, he, he did catch it the second time, and so that was good to see. Maybe that's a little bit of something he needs to kind of get himself together and, and and play well from here on out. Because he's, he's athletic enough, which is the reason he's been playing already, that he can create mismatches on the defensive side of the ball, but that means nothing if you can't catch the ball. <laughs> Absolutely zero. And so hopefully he's uh, he's back on track. We'll see. Um so what have we got? We've got um, – there's not many – this is the weekend that usually the SEC gets uh, lambasted for playing the weak teams, and Alabama caught their fair share again last week from a bunch of Ohio State people, believe it or not, was, yeah, yeah. was, was uh, picking at our schedule last week. But most of the SEC – uh, other teams are this week they're doing that sort of thing, and that includes Georgia, that includes um, uh, mo- everybody except for, I think, Auburn, South Carolina, us and Arkansas, Missouri, and uh, who's Missouri? Ole Miss, Ole Miss has Vandy, Missouri has uh, Florida. But, yeah, Florida. other than that, I mean, we've got Charleston Southern, we've got New Mexico State for their back-to-back weeks, we've got South Alabama, we have uh, Louisiana Monroe, Tennessee State, and Prairie View A and M. Just a murderer's row. Yes, that's a, that's a, that's a nice collection of squads there. A lot of directional schools in there. But you you did mention Auburn play South Carolina, and I like I said that'd be our our second game we'll cover and kind of cover it quickly. This game would not even have been on the radar. I mean, Auburn, I would expect them to win pretty handily, although South Carolina had a big confidence booster beating Florida two weeks ago. They lost to Missouri. It was at Missouri, but they lost to Missouri this past week, and it wasn't even that close. I was just watching the highlights. But 
with Bo Nix going out and not and possibly almost as important is Carlson going out because mm-hmm. he he has struggled lately. He missed one uh, Saturday, then he got one blocked, and that's very rare for him, very unlike him. But you know he's had games where he's gone five or five, six or six or whatever, and on the road that is very important, especially you know he gets. I would say anytime you get to the thirty-five yard line and in, he's going to be a pretty high percentage. So him being out and then Bo Nix being out, I'm just not impressed with T.J. Finley. And you can say, oh, well, he drove 98 yards for the game-winning touchdown against Georgia Southern. Yeah, say that again really slow and think <laughs> about the – you know, not Georgia, Georgia Southern. Or was it Georgia State is one of the two. Georgia a good State. Team. Okay, yep. Georgia State. Well, it wasn't a good team. So, you know, I, I, just, I say this right here, if, if – South Carolina can get up by 15 in the fourth quarter. I like uh, South Carolina's chances because Harson won't know what to do. <laughs> Let's only hope he gets a chance to redeem himself. <laughs> oh, me. All right. So before my internet, before the hamster dies here in Red Bay, let's get to the CFP rankings and. Recap the bets, and we'll wrap this atrocity of a podcast up. <laughs> so, like, you were excited. I said, well, I, hey, I said, man, I just forgot to take the CFP rankings out of the uh, the outline I sent you. We don't have to go over them. And you're like, no, 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 I've got a lot to say. So, I'm going to let you say a lot. Let me give you my picks because I could care. I, I'm kind of like, I think the majority of the public is, why does ESPN still have the show every Tuesday night? So, I've got Georgia 1. I don't have any changes. Georgia 1, Bama 2, Oregon 3, Ohio State 4. Uh, my 5 and 6, I'm putting Oklahoma State at 5 and Michigan State at 6. Notre Dame, Cincinnati, nowhere to be found. Oklahoma, of course, drops way out because they've got the loss. And I don't know that we – I don't – I meant to say one more thing on your commentary. I think the most important thing – yeah, I did say it about Bama. We, we've got to stay number 2. You know, we can't drop to three or four, but if we can stay at number two, we've got an excellent shot. So there's my top four, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State. Yeah, a lot of times when you write stuff on the uh, – particularly on the rankings and things like that, I'll follow up with you and say, all right, what are you asking for? Are you asking what the committee does, what we think, who we th- how we think it's going to end? I didn't do this purposely this time because I was going to give you uh, all of the above for me. <laughs> so <laughs> – I agree with you. There's not going to be any change in the committee's rankings this week. Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Oregon 3, Ohio State 4. That's pretty cut and dried. The only thing that might happen there, and they don't have the balls to do it, but uh, Ohio State should jump Oregon just on how they're playing on the field. Uh, Agreed. I mean, I've I've carried that flag as long as I can carry it for Oregon. I can't carry it any longer. I agree. They're they're the better team. But I think think you're, you're correct in that it stays the same. Now, who do I think are the top four teams in the country right now? I think it's Georgia. I think it's Alabama. I think it's Ohio State. And number four, I, I struggled. I struggled with number four because I obviously don't think Cincinnati or Notre Dame uh, is is a, a fourth best team in the country. And I started looking at the other Big Ten schools and there's no way Michigan, Michigan State, they just they they don't they have lost or won so many close games against substandard competition, very close games, 
And Oklahoma was the same way. Oklahoma State, the same way. Oklahoma State almost lost to a D2 school in the opener. Yeah, it's pathetic. I I mean, it's just really, really tough to find that fourth team. And you know where I end up landing? Ole Miss, a team that we beat by 40 (laughs) or whatever it was. 21, Uh, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I I really think that they're – they could legitimately be the fourth. They've got as good an argument to be the fourth best team in the country as anybody else out there. They absolutely do. I mean, they blew it at Auburn. We talked about it before the Auburn game. If they beat Auburn and they won out, they were going to be that one lost team that was probably going to get in, and they could not hold up their end of the bargain. Yep. Now I'm going to give you one final nugget, uh, a third way to look at these college football rankings in a way that you're not going to enjoy. Who do I think today will actually be in the playoffs at the end of the year? Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Cincinnati 3, Notre Dame 4. <laughs> Man, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I do too. I think it's going to be an absolute travesty. That will be the easiest – Fourteen playoff that the number one seed has ever had to. Yeah. I mean, with the exception possibly Ohio State potentially playing up, but you know Ohio State has done that a lot in the playoff era. They have run up a lot of points against Big Ten teams, just like that. Give up thirty a game, but score sixty, and everybody gets enamored with them, and then get in the playoffs and get hammered. That that is a very likely scenario for them, and that could happen again, but. Honestly, you know, I went over it earlier. Cincinnati and Notre Dame are the only two teams left on this whole entire 11 possibilities of getting into the playoff who will be double-digit favorites in their remaining games. All of them. Yeah. All of them. And you've they already have Cincinnati at five. And the only teams in front of Notre Dame uh, – to get to the four spot is Michigan, Michigan State, and Oregon. If yeah. Ohio State beats them and Oregon loses to Utah, like we think we will, we'll have to we'll have to fend off a one-loss Notre Dame or an undefeated Cincinnati team to get there. They're not going to leave Notre Dame. They're not going to put Notre Dame in if Cincinnati's undefeated. No, you're right. I mean, that's what that's. I had no idea you were going to say this, you know, but at the first I told you, you know, our, our best bet is for for Cincinnati to stay undefeated because if they lose, that opens the door for Notre Dame to jump ahead of them and they'll put them in. And it's – I mean, how many more – how many times does Notre Dame have to absolutely get trounced in the first round before you're like, you know what, I don't care that they're one loss. Yeah. They don't play anybody. They play in the ACC kind of, not really, but kind of. The the ACC is the worst conference out there. The only thing kept them afloat has been Clemson. The yep. second worst conference, in my opinion, year in and year out, is the Pac-12. That's who they're also married to, kind of, not really, sort of. They date, whatever, friends of benefits. You know, they play Stanford. They play USC. They don't play anybody ever. And they play one team, a G5 team this year, and lose. Like, come on, dude. You had, you had one job, and you couldn't, you couldn't do it. So. Yeah. As Bama fans, we need to root very, very hard for Cincinnati and or Notre Dame to lose. Just one of them would, would give us some room to breathe here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
All right, so let's recap the bets quickly. I went one and one. I didn't. I don't have down what you had, but I had Arkansas easy winner by half point, and I went with UTSA. Man, Southern Miss terrible, and they were thirty three point favorites. I think they won by ten. Yeah, Southern Miss had them. That was a tie ball game with about seven minutes to go. Uh, I had Missouri after South Carolina come off the win against Florida. Thought that was a really easy one. Missouri was actually up. 17 maybe yeah, still end up so. winning by three got the cover uh never was really in danger of losing the game late but uh but that was a good easy one and then i got backdoored penn state oh penn state was they had the lead against michigan michigan couldn't move the ball there's three or four minutes left to go in the game and somehow michigan's tidy in got left wide open on a, a drag route and he ended up going the distance to to beat him there right at the end three minutes to play yeah so one and one um you paid juice this week yeah you got juiced all right who you got for this week i've got michigan state plus the 19 that's that's too many Michigan State will play some defense, and that's a defense that Ohio State hadn't seen. And this is going to be the secret as well. Michigan State's running back is going to have a day on Saturday. He's going to have a day. I don't know that they can win the game, but he's going to have a day. And he he will catapult up there even with Bryce Young and Stroud after this game Saturday. Stroud may drop a notch after this defensive effort, depending on how the outcome goes. I still think Ohio State wins this game, but I think Michigan State gets in under 19. I hope you're right. I'm going to take Missouri plus 7.5 over Florida. Florida is an absolute train wreck. They allowed 42 first-half points to Samford. (laughs) <laughs> not not Stanford, Tom. Not the Pac-12 team, Stanford. Uh, Stanford, the te- the the school out of Birmingham. <laughs> and they had to... and yeah, they had the lead too. It wasn't like they were up yeah. seventy to forty two at half. They they no. were losing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Stanford had a football team. That's good to know. Uh, my second game. This this may be the the week that I'm just going for everything that I want to see happen. But Cincinnati has not been playing well over the last three weeks, particularly since the pressure of the college football playoffs has has bore down on them. They have gotten the W's, but they have looked less than impressive against less than stellar competition. This will be the toughest team they've played in about four weeks, and they have them as a 12 point favorite. I think that's too many. Uh, again, I think this is a game that SMU could win, but Cincinnati will likely win. But I don't see them blowing them out of the gym. They they've struggled with much lesser teams than this. So I'm going to take 12 and SMU two underdogs this week for me. Good for you. And we're going straight dogs on this ticket. I've got South Carolina plus seven against Auburn, hosting Auburn. These two teams are on different trajectories right now. I do know South Carolina lost, but like you said, they were down 17. They cut it to three against Missouri. They get to get back home after their big win two weeks ago against Florida. And the line opened up at 10. It dropped to seven because Bo Nix is out. I don't get that. Bo Nix is only worth three points. Uh, I, maybe maybe it's because Carlson's out. Maybe they, there's a field goal. But I, I think wrong team favored here. I really think South Carolina beats them. They're going to have to get up on them early. 
But if they can get up on them and demoralize them, because like I said, as bad as I dislike Bo Nix, he's the leader. He's the heartbeat of that team, and he's yeah, he might be there, but he's not going on the field. And if they, if T.J. Finley doesn't play up to par or gets hurt, they go with Grant Loy, <laughs> not B is in boy, L is in Loy. I so, see. South Carolina plus seven. So there's your bets this week: Michigan State nineteen. Missouri 7.5, SMU 12, South Carolina 7, all on the plus side. Uh, $25 to pay you $250 if you get the right book. Underdog right. parlay of the year. That's it. it. All right, Tom, I, you know, work your magic, get this thing spliced together where you can't even tell that we crapped out two or three times. And uh, also, Tom, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll tide. Roll tide, guys. Take it easy. Junior's grades.